0: morning, we are returning to Romans chapter 11. We have a few sermons in Romans 11 before we move on to Romans 12. Romans 9 to 11 is uh, you know, is a unit together, and it's a difficult section of the book of Romans. A lot of people kind of skip it. You know, we like what goes, leads up to it, and we love what comes out of it, but uh, Romans 9 to 11 is challenging. Uh, but we're not going to skip it. We're going to spend a few more weeks in Romans. We're going to do Romans chapter 11. I do think there are important things In here, in terms of understanding uh, the relationship of Old and New Testament, of Israel and the church, and what God is doing, what God has done, and what He continues to do. And so here we are, Romans chapter 11, we're going to read the first 15 verses. I was thinking 16, but 16 really goes into the next section, and then we're going to move into that whole image of a tree. He gives an illustration that illustrates a lot of what I'm talking about this week, and we're going to hit that and delve deeper Uh, in in the next time we come together here in Romans. Romans 1, verses 11. Romans 11, verses 1 to 15. Hear then, God's word. He says that, I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. (laughs) For I myself am an Israelite. I'm a descendant of Abraham. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says about Elijah? how he appeals to God against Israel. He says, Lord, they've killed your prophets and they've demolished your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. And what is God's reply? He says to him, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And so too, Paul concludes, so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But... If it is by grace, then it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking, righteousness. And the elect obtained it, and the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see, and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Their eyes, let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. And so I ask, did they stumble in order that they may fall? By no means. Rather, it is through their Israel's trespass that salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass, Israel's trespass, means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, then how much more will their full inclusion or their fullness mean? Now, I'm speaking to you, uh, uh, Gentiles, inasmuch, then, as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. And I magnify my ministry to you, Gentiles, in order that somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous... And save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean? But life from the dead, if... We'll end there. We'll leave you hanging on the if, right? Next, next time. The Word of God. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word that is living and true. And here in Romans 11, where things do get difficult, is to understand where you're going and what this all means and how it fits. And I do pray as we have spent time in 9 to 11 that you would be helping us to understand The relationship between Israel and the church, Jews and Gentiles, and what you are doing in your plans for us, even in this modern world as we think about our relationship. So Father, open this scripture to us, help us to see and understand it. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and we pray that in the midst of it we would see your faithfulness, your goodness, your keeping of promises, and that your glorious plans So we ask and we pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the question Paul begins with, he's been running with this question through 9 to 11. I encourage you, if you haven't done it before, to sit down and read 9 to 11 as a unit. Paul's making an argument through the whole thing, and he comes around to the same question again and again. And here in Romans 11, he asks a question again in another way. Has God rejected His people? That's the question. If Israel has been cut off through unbelief, and the gentiles are coming to faith and being grafted in in large numbers has god rejected his people israel has his promises to israel failed and it's an important question for christians because if god has rejected his people and we're his people right that can make me a little nervous right if the question is yes he did he did then it would make me nervous if I'm his people and whether he would ultimately reject me, but reject us. Can we trust? The question is, can we trust God's promises? Did he keep his promises? Has the word of God failed? And Paul's answer is emphatic and clear and immediate, isn't it? No. By no means. It's a a Greek idiom, and it means no way. Don't even think it. By no means. Never. No but then, if he hasn't rejected his people, how are we to understand this? And how are we to understand Israel's unbelief, right? Because at the time of Jesus, the very the vast majority of Jews rejected him, right? And there was some who believed. But then, then the gospel went. They found as they went preaching it throughout, you know, the territories, starting in the synagogues, that the bulk of Jews rejected it. Some believed, but Gentiles started believing, and this was a surprise to even Paul. Who becomes the apostle to the Gentiles? But the Gentiles started coming in, so the bulk of the Jews are going out, and the, a big block of Gentiles are coming in. How are we to understand? How does the Old Testament and what God had been doing for 2,000 years in the, in the Jews in, in Israel relate to the New Testament now, where the coming of the Jewish Messiah, we see this kind of dynamic going on? How do we understand and relate what's going on? That's what Paul is explaining. And here in this moment, and I think for us, it's an important thing to understand the dynamics and the continuity of what God is doing in the Old and New Testaments. What is the relationship between the Old Testament promises and covenants with Israel and the New Testament church created through faith in Messiah? Since chapter 9, Paul's answering this question, explaining it. And remember in chapter 9, he said, part of the answer to this is not all Israel is Israel. Right? All my sermons are online, including my preaching notes. They're one of the drop-down downloads. So you can go back and, and hear all the sermons and pull up my notes if you're looking for quotes and stuff. But we remember back in chapter 9, he said, part of his answer to this question is not all Israel is Israel. You've got this ethnic nation of Israel and some of them know and love God and believe and serve Him and a lot of them don't. Right? And he gives the example and we're going to dive into it here in a minute of the time of Elijah where that was the case. Most of the people were not worshipers of Yahweh. And so he says not all Israel is Israel just because every, there's this ethnic state this geopolitical ethnic people not all Israel is Israel. True Israel. Israel is God defined it is going to be a Yahweh worshiping people of faith and obedience. And that's Israel. There's an Israel within Israel. A faithful people within this larger ethnic group. Paul offers himself as evidence of this. He says, is God rejecting his people? He says, no, I'm an Israelite. If God rejected his people, he would have rejected me. If he's rejecting Jews, he's rejecting Israel, and they don't count anymore or something. If that's what you think, he says, no, I'm an Israelite, silly. (laughs) If he rejected his people, he would have rejected me, but he hasn't. Um, I am one of them. In fact, thousands of Jews have believed. The entire New Testament church, if you read the book of Acts, you know, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 Jews believed. And then we see there are other great times, and it says, as we read in Koinonia, that they were meeting day by day, and God was adding to their number daily those who were believing. All a harvest among the Jews All Israelites coming to faith in their Messiah. The foundation of the New Testament church was Jewish. This this massive movement in Acts chapter 1 through like 8 is all the establishment of of God bringing what he's going to tell us here in a moment is a remnant of Jews as the foundation of his New Testament people. And Paul says, I'm one of them. And there are thousands of them. There's a remnant. And so in verse 2 and following, he shows that the, that the rejection of Israel is only partial. That yes, many Jews haven't believed, but many have. And he hasn't rejected them. In fact, it is in this remnant that all of his covenant promises are fulfilled. He shows it's only partial. He's fulfilled those promises in these people. And so he says he has not rejected he says, the people whom he foreknew. Verse 2, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. It's a remnant of faithful people. Do you not know what the scripture says? And he gives Elijah as this illustration. He says there is a believing remnant among the Jewish people that is the foundation of the New Testament church. And there continues to be converted Jews throughout the history of Christianity. And so he says there, there is this remnant. We see in verse 5, he says... So too, concluding the story of Elijah, so too at the present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. God has not rejected Israel, but there's, it's a remnant of Israel. It's a, it's a smaller group. And he says, this is how it was in the time of Elijah. If you remember this, we've preached through that whole section and talked about this earlier. But look at it again. He says, you know, time of Elijah, he appeals to the Lord. He says, Lord, they've killed your prophets. They've demolished your altars. I'm alone left and they seek my life. Right, it's a story about a time. If you remember it, you know the king is Ahab. He's the king of Israel, and he marries a Phoenician woman named Jezebel. Her name is going down in the history as a, as a anyway a moniker. You know, you're you Jezebel. All right. So there's Ahab and Je- he marries this Phoenician woman, and she brings her paganism with her. She worships Baal and the cult of Baal, and and and. Ahab is sucked in, and they, they lead the nation over years into the worship of Baal, away from Yahweh, so that at the time of Elijah, at least from his perspective, like he's last man standing, the entire nation of Israel is apostate. They're all worshiping Baal. They're not, they're not Yahweh worshipers. This is part of what it means, not all Israel is Israel. It never has been. You can go back to the heart of the Old Testament, and the bulk of Israel here is not believers. Believers. But what he says is that there is a remnant, not all Israel is Israel, but there is a remnant, there is a faithful core. And that's what God says, and this is how he replies to him: You're not alone. I've kept from myself 7,000 men that have not bowed the knee to Baal. God clarifies. It may look grim, but my people are not rejected. They were not rejected in the time of Elijah. And even though the bulk of the nation was apostate, God had not rejected Israel. He he is keeping his covenant. He is keeping his promise. And he has done it by preserving for himself graciously. In the midst of apostasy and defection, he he keeps for himself a remnant chosen, he says in verse 5, by grace. The nation is led astray. They slaughtered the prophets. They tried to erase the worship of Yahweh. Here's Elijah lamenting. Did God reject his people? And the answer is no. He preserved them. He saved them. He chose them. He kept them. It may not be what sometimes we think in terms of Israel is the whole nation and every last one of them. But from the beginning of Israel until the time of Jesus, it's never been the case. There's always a faithful, spiritual Israel in the midst of a people that is very eclectic and often... Uh, lured away to other gods. It is the story of the book of Judges. You know, they get led astray and they get captive and they go wrong and God saves them and He brings them back and then they go astray and this is the, the constant history of Israel. Did God reject them in the time of Ahab? No. Many of them were cut off. God fulfilled His promise and saved a remnant. God's faithfulness to His promise and His covenant is fulfilled in this Small, worshipping, Yahweh-faithful group of people. And Paul is saying now that the same thing is true in the time of Jesus, right? That's where verse 5 is his, his, his explanation. So too, just like it was in the time of Elijah, there's a remnant chosen by grace. So they've been waiting for the Messiah for thousands of years, and finally Messiah comes, and the most bizarre thing happens. The bulk of Israel, like in the time of Elijah, doesn't believe. And they reject Messiah. And he is saying that while a lot of Israel then is being cut off through their unbelief, there is a remnant, as he says in verse 5, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And so the New Testament church is created out of a faithful Israel. The Israel that believed, just like in the time of Elijah, is fulfilled in a remnant in the time of Jesus that believes all that New Testament church and is a foundation on which the Gentiles come in. but they come into, and what, what we're going to need to see is that there are these thousands of faithful remaining remnants of Israel, of which Paul is both the evidence and the example is one of them, shows that Israel is not rejected and Israel doesn't cease to be Israel this remnant in the time of Jesus is true Israel. They're the believers. Israel got a Messiah, and true Israel are those who accepted the Messiah. Right? And so they, what's being formed in the New Testament is not something other than that. It is true Israel. Right? There is a tree, and this is what when we start in verses 17 and following, and go on, he uses the image of a tree, and he says there was a tree that's true Israel. There's this people of God, and he says, some of the branches are being broken off. Off of what? Off of this existing tree. Some are still there. Why? Because they believe their remnant stays on the tree. And, And Gentiles are grafted into this tree. This tree is Israel. So Israel doesn't go away. The Israel within Israel... The true Israel, the spiritual Israel, the believing Israel, the Israel as God meant Israel to be, as a people that love him, know him, and serve him, and receive his Messiah and are saved by him. That's the church. That's the foundation of the church. The true Israelites. And, and it's not creating something separate. The Gentiles don't create something separate over here. Actually, the unbelieving Jews were broken off, and the, Jew, and the Gentiles were grafted in. We're going to look at this next week to see that They're grafted into what? They're grafted into Israel. Into the believing Jews. And this is what's different in the New Testament. Not that it's creating something different. Israel is here and then you got the church here. It takes the the believing core remnant that is Israel and grafts into it Gentiles. Paul uses this illustration in the next section and we'll go there and we'll take that to dig deeper in that. But what I want us to see through this as we're walking through, that God has a chosen remnant, that God's promises are fulfilled in that remnant, and that Gentiles then are included in that remnant, and that ultimately God is faithful to His people. So God's promises are fulfilled in this remnant. That's where in verse seven he says, "What then? Israel failed to obtain by and large this large group, what it was seeking? What was it seeking is seeking righteousness." And we see this if you go back and read 9 and 10. They sought a righteousness of their own. They sought to establish a righteousness through the law rather than submitting to God's righteousness that is His gift to us in Christ. And so they sought their own righteousness and they didn't obtain it because you can't get it through the law. You can only get it in Christ. And so they failed to get what they needed to be saved and to be God's people, which is to be righteous with God. And it's only obtained in Christ. And that's why he says that what then? Israel failed to obtain what they were seeking, but the elect obtained it. Right? Who are the elect? Well, it's the same group back in verse 5. It is a remnant chosen by grace. Paul, from the beginning of chapter 9, he has been heartbroken over Israel's unbelief. Heartbroken over it. He, he, he clearly sees not all Israel is Israel, but he wants all Israel to be Israel. He wants all, he wants all Israel to believe. He wants him to come to Christ. He's heartbroken over the the loss that is going on. He says he would himself be accursed if he could save his people. And now he knows that's not possible. He says, I magnify my own ministry so that in the ministry of the Gentiles, I will make them jealous and that they will come to their Messiah. But he sees not all Israel's Israel. In Romans 9, 8, we read, it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God. Question is who are the children of God? Is it Israel? Is it ethnic Israel? Is it the nation of Israel? Is it all the people of Israel? And he says, no, it's not the children of the flesh. It's not ethnic Israel who are the children of God. Who are the children of God? The children of God are the children of promise. Children of promise. He has what they didn't obtain, the elect obtained, that remnant chosen by grace, that believing people who receive the promises, who are preserved by his grace, they're the ones who receive. All of God's promises are fulfilled in his chosen people. The elect, his chosen people, have obtained it. And we need to see, and this is what I was complaining in Sunday school, we're doing an HPC 101 class. We've got a great class of folks who've been, um, you know, slogging through a weekend of lifting into me on all sorts of stuff. Good job, guys. Well done. You're almost done. Um, But I was complaining about how sometimes in the Bible there are words in in the Greek that are related. They're the same word, and when they translate it into English, even in some of these best translations like ESV, they translate it with a different word in the English. And so even though in this sentence it's the same word as in this sentence, in English it's two different words. Why do you do that? I don't know, but but even in English the words are related. So the word in verse 5 that says... But they are a remnant chosen by grace. The word underneath chosen is the word electos. You can hear the word elect, where we get the English word to elect, which is to choose. I elect not to do that. I choose not to do that. It means to choose. So the elect are the chosen, which is exactly what it says in verse 7, where Israel failed to obtain it, but the elect did. It's the same word, electos, underneath. Why they said over here it's the chosen by grace rather than elect by grace. And down here they say elect by, uh, have obtained it rather than saying the chosen obtained it. Because if you would just pick one, we'd know it's the same word in both verses. But what he's saying is his promise are fulfilled in this group. It's this group that obtained all the blessings, all the promises of the covenant of grace in God's covenant with His people Israel. Those who, where the word has not failed, where God has not rejected His people, is in this group so clearly stated through this entire passage. The covenant and the promises of God are inherited and enjoyed, not by the broad ethnic Israel, but by a believing remnant who are true, faithful, and spiritual Israel. And the rest, he says... In another difficult sentence, the rest, he says, are hardened. It's the end of verse 7. The rest are hardened. The rest of who? The rest of Israel. Right? The elect obtained it. This people, this remnant chosen by grace obtained it. And the rest of Israel were hardened, he says. That's been the, the thing of all of Romans 9 to 11, that Israel has been cut off through their unbelief. And then he gives these verses from the Old Testament that are a little bit difficult, even the commentators. I, I, I'm going to choose not to delve down both for time and for difficulty and just say that you see at the heart of them this idea of blindness. They both have to do with the eyes. He gave them a spirit of stupor and their eyes would not see. Their ears would not hear. And it's still that way down to this very day. Or let them become a table trap, in a snare, a stumbling block and a retribution. Why? Because let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see. And that's the problem with the Jews at the time of Jesus. They could not see that Jesus was the Son of the living God, that He was the Messiah, that He was the King that Jesus sent in the li- that God sent in the line of David, that He was the one, that He is their Messiah, and they have been blind to it. And that is why you have this division between those who can see the believing remnant and those who cannot, who have been hardened and cut off. But we see at the core a remnant of believing Israel, which is the church in the New Testament. And this is where I'm going to go next week. And I want us to see there are those who think that God has two peoples, the Jews and the Gentiles. And the scripture is so very clear that he has one people. And it is always a remnant of believing people. Whether it is in the time of Elijah, then at the time of Jesus, he says, so too it is again. You have a remnant of believing Jews who have received their Messiah. They are the truest of Israel. They're not something else. That is what they were supposed to do. God sent them the Jewish Messiah, and they embraced that Messiah, and they are the truest Jews of all Jews. They are Israel as Israel is meant to be. They are, and that is the foundation of the New Testament church, the believing remnant of the Jews, to which, while some are broken off, to which the Gentiles are grafted and become part of it. And we'll look at this again next week, but I want us to see just here. Gentiles, the chosen remnant includes Gentiles. Paul makes this so very clear. God has not rejected his people, Israel. They're still his people, a remnant saved by grace. So he hasn't rejected them, so they still exist. And it's not the broken off ones, it's this group. He's made it clear he's not rejected this people, but he's preserved a remnant. And so the unbelief in Israel is not total. There's a remnant. In verse 11, he reveals that Israel's unbelief is not final. So in verse 11, he says, So I ask then, did they stumble? Did Israel, these unbelieving Israelites, did they stumble in order that they may fall forever? Is Israel then this cut off forever? And he says again, By no means. No. Never. He says it's not total. A remnant has been saved. But it's not only not total, it's not final. Right? Verse 11, he says to go on, that they might fall by no means through their trespass. Salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. And that Jews will continue to come, both now and throughout history. There's always been believing, some would call completed Jews or Messianic Jews. There's always been those who find Christ And he is saying that there may be a day when there's a revival in the Jewish people and we may see a large or a a revival mass of Jews to come. But he says it's not final, that, that there has been this in history where there's this temporary hardening and breaking off to create room in some sense so that salvation, as he says in verse 11, would come to the Gentiles. Through Israel's trespass, their failure, their unbelief, Salvation comes to the Gentiles. And so verse 15, he says, their rejection, right? Verse 15, for their rejection means the reconciliation of the world. But then he keeps coming back around. And what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Now what does it mean as Jews find Jesus, that there is a remnant that continues to find Christ? And what will it mean someday when, when there is a, a larger, perhaps, conversion, a, a, a larger opening of the eyes to see their Messiah? What will it be, he says, in that day? But life from the dead, it will be a beautiful thing and a beautiful day. So he magnifies his ministry to the Gentiles because his desire is to to make them jealous. In verse 14, he says that I I magnify my ministry, he says, in order that somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus to save some. The passion and the desire still for the salvation of Israel, of of God's... of those who have been the recipients of his promises through the ages. And so he says that we're going to make them jealous. I mean, it is fascinating here. What, how what does it make them jealous? That a bunch of Gentiles, right, at the time of Jesus, they referred to Gentiles as Gentile dogs. Right? They had a very low opinion of Gentiles. But here are the Gentiles finding Messiah. Right here are the Gentiles who are finding love and grace and forgiveness and the joy of the Holy Spirit and and sonship and salvation and inclusion and the Gentiles enjoying all their blessings. And he says, and somehow I magnify my ministry of the Gentiles, how they are finding Messiah in the hope that he will make them jealous and bring them in. Charles Hodge, a great Reformed theologian, says it this way, God did not design to cast away his people entirely. But by their rejection, to facilitate the progress of the gospel among the Gentiles, and ultimately make the conversion of the Gentiles then the means of the converting of the Jews. And through history, so it comes full circle and that there will be where they were broken off. There will be a time where they find Messiah. But I would say this again. When the time of the Jews, if there is this time of revival where Jews are finding their Messiah... They're not being recreated as Old Testament Israel. What they're finding is Jesus and being grafted back into that one tree as true Israel. They're actually coming home as true Jews and becoming Israel again where they had become not all Israel, Israel. They were still that other Israel but not all Israel is Israel. And they they will come back and be Israel, God's Israel, believing Israel, saved in Christ. When they come back, what they will come back to is Jesus, and they will join us. It's always been believing Jews that have been a faithful remnant in Israel, preserved by God in some in every generation. This is the argument of, our, of chapters nine through eleven. That you can believe them. Not all Israel, Israel. It means those who believe in Christ are the true Israel. This is why in Galatians 3, verse 7, Paul can write this, and he can write this to Gentiles and Jews alike who are the church. And he said, Know this, church. It is those of the faith who are the sons of Abraham. Right? You hear it? It's those of faith who are the who are the children of Abraham. That's Israel. He's the father. He is the, the paterfamilia. right? He is the, he, he is the the, the patriarch of of He's the first. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it starts with Abraham. And and it's all the children of of Israel that flow from him. And he's saying, you know what, church? The true children of Abraham, it's not an ethnic identity. It is those who are of the faith of Abraham who are the true children of Abraham. And we have joined the remnant of believing Israel and believing in the Messiah. And so are adopted into Israel as the children of God who are the children of God, but the children of the promise. God's remnant is a true and faithful Israel, preserved by His grace, chosen and preserved by His grace, plus the believing Gentiles who are grafted in as a fine Christ. So that's what I want us to hear for this morning. And next week we're going to take the picture of the tree, go deeper and pull in some other scripture to see a broader application of this but let's just talk about a few things that 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 for us this morning can we can pull from this text that are helpful to us call them applications and number one in, in all three of them it's this is that God is faithful and that's what the passage is saying has God rejected his people no has the word of God failed no have the promises failed no and you are his people and so this speaks to us has God rejected his people no way never Never. God does not abandon his people whom he foreknew. He has a people chosen, a remnant of grace, those whom he has preserved safe for himself in every generation, whether it's Elijah's generation or Jesus' generation or in our generation. A remnant. Scripture is so clear about it. His word is Trustworthy. His promises are trustworthy. He fulfills them. Not always the way we expect them to. Not always the way we want them to. But He says He does. And we should listen to Him how. And we should want to find ourselves in it. Romans 9.6 It is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Hear then the word of God. The word of God has not failed. It is faithful. It is fulfilled. It is God doing what He promised in preserving and having The answer to the problem, though, is not that all Israel is saved. It's that all Israel is not Israel. And that God has a remnant faithful people that belong to him. And so in Psalm 35, 36, 5, it says this. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to heaven and your faithfulness to the clouds. Your faithfulness is infinite. To the clouds then was somewhere you couldn't go. We fly up there now. But in those days, that was somewhere you couldn't go. Right? Your faithfulness reaches to Through the infinite beyond, your faithfulness is trustworthy. And so, church of Christ, who know Jesus and love him, you are the remnant. You are united to faithful, believing Israel in their Messiah. And his promises are fulfilled in you. And he keeps his word and he keeps his promises. And he will never leave you and he will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. This is his promise. This is who he is. This is what he says. And now in a time when much of mainstream Christianity is moving apostate. When they move away from God's word. And it's not God's word. They move away from Jesus as Messiah and the only way of reconciliation to the Father. And as a way to to become in. And they say, no, 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 no. Any old way. A lot of paths. Do what you will. You know, when they're saying, you know, that evangelism isn't necessary, you don't need to tell people about Jesus, just tell them to be good people, right? That's evangelism in many of the mainline churches, just tell people to be good people, don't tell them about Jesus. I'm just saying that there's a lot of church out there, this is like what he said, not all Israel is Israel, my friend, it is still true to the day, all who say they are Christians are not Christians. Do not be deceived by denominational names or church names or even some of the language people use. Jesus used like the great language. They were the nice people of the day. But Jesus said, no, you're out. Not all who say they're Christian are Christian. And we live in a time when actually a lot of people are apostatizing. They are moving away from God's Word, away from Christ, away from all of those things which are core and central to the biblical message, the message the mission and message of Jesus, and they've moved away from it. In a time of great apostasy, we become the remnant. And it says something about who we need to be in this moment. 2 Timothy 2.19 says this, God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows who are His in every generation. It wasn't all of Israel, and it's not all of the church, but the Lord knows who who are His. If your heart is His and your heart is for Christ. Secondly, I would just want to say this. It relates to that. Is Even when things seem grim, grim, they were grim in the time of Elijah. You know, he laments, I'm the last one. They're all out to get me. Sometimes I think we feel that way, don't we? Oh, it's all crushing in and it's all going out. And they're, you know, we're the last ones and they're coming for us. It was that way in the time of Elijah. It was that time, way in the time of Jesus to the point where they crucified him and they drove everyone else into hiding. On Kentecost, the apostles were hiding. right? And even in their day, all 12 apostles were martyred. right? Even when things seem grim, and that's often where we get, but what we read from this, what we hear from this, is even when things are grim, God is working His plan. He is the Lord of history. He is the Lord of the church. He is not despairing over hard times he's lord over those hard times he is sovereign and he is purposeful and he is good and even when Elijah despaired what does God say his answer is in vernacular would be something like don't be silly I'm alone and they're coming for me Lord just kill me now because it's over and God says don't be silly I'm God and I have a people I have preserved by grace in every generation. As it was in Elijah's time, so it was in Paul's time, and so it is right now, and so it will be to the end of time. So finally, let me leave you with this as an application to say this. If you and I are able to stand in a time of apostasy, in a time when things are going sideways in America that we thought would always be what we wanted to be and represent our values and, and, and all if you and i are to stand when other denominations wholesale are abandoning the gospel when mainstream culture becomes anti-christian when the church becomes marginalized we like being mainstream we want to be mainstream again maybe I'm just saying, even when we're a marginalized remnant, God's winning. God's purposes stand. And if you and I persevere in the midst of all of that, it will only be by grace. I mean, do you hear that come out in this passage? It is a remnant chosen by grace. When all had seemed apostate, he says, I kept for myself, I preserved for myself a people that are mine. If you and I stand, it will be because of His grace, because He has preserved us and because He has kept us. And so our focus in times like this should not be on the dangers that are out there, but rather it should be on our faith and our... Standing in Christ and knowing him and loving him and believing him and growing in him and being faithful to our witness in him and to be the church, the remnant in the midst of whatever's going on out there. And it's not to say we don't engage in it, but it is to understand that if we stand, it'll only be by grace, not by our strength, not by our works, not by our politics, not by grasping power, not by doing whatever. If the church stands, it's going to be by grace and it's going to be because God kept and preserved us. He says, I have not forsaken, I have not rejected those whom I have foreknown, that I have chosen by grace and have preserved by my power. For in them, all of the promises are yes. In them, all of the covenant is manifest and kept faithfully. He will, he can preserve his people by grace. And my friends, if we stand, it will not be our strength but it will be his grace. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word that is living and true. Oh, would you write it deep in our souls. Let us see you here. The God of history. The Lord of your church. The the chooser, the foreknower, the chooser, the preserver, the keeper of your people. Faithful in every generation. Let us be that remnant. Those who cling to Christ with faith who love and preach your word, who stand in the midst of chaos. Give us eyes to see. Take us out of our stupor. and Let us be a people of grace and faith. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.